0: Now, we're all a mixture of good and bad habits, aren't we? Now, bad habits, at their very worst, see us trapped in addiction. They sabotage our relationships. They lock us into poverty. Good habits, at their best, mean we can enjoy healthy lifestyle, fulfilling relationships, and financial freedom. Now, it's long been recognised. Something as simple as a habit has the power to make or break us which is why a book like The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People has been very popular. So popular that in the 30 years since it hit our bookshelves, this particular book has sold 25 million copies in 40 different languages, continues to be a bestseller, was named Time Magazines in the 25 most influential business-related non-fiction books of all time. One of the reasons why a book like The Seven Habits is so popular is because the playing field is not level. Have you noticed that? Bad habits are so easily formed and we struggle to form good habits. Or if we flick that on its head, bad habits are tremendously hard to break. While good habits we tend to slip out very easily. The playing field is not level. Which is why... This particular book has made its author, I'm sure, a very lot of money. Now today, we're going to open up our Ephesian passage to help us deal with habits, to help us break bad habits. And uh, next week, we're going to look at that in some detail with some practical examples, but we're going to look at the first section that Paul talks about, lifestyle and habits. And today, we're going to see three things. Why are bad habits so hard to break? Next, we see how we can break bad habits, and we'll have a pattern that's in God's Word that can help us break bad habits. And then finally, our motivation. Where can we be motivated to break these bad habits? So that's what we're going to look at this morning. So first of all, why are bad habits so hard to break? And we see this in the first few verses of our passage that we're looking at today. So in our journey through Ephesians, we're up to chapter 4, verse 17. Now this I say and testify in the Lord that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. Reminder that when the Bible means Gentiles it means everybody who's not a Jew and so that means you and I. And here the Bible reminds us that before we met Jesus we were lost in the futility of our thinking and wonky thinking leads to wonky lives. Futile thinking leads to futile lives. Indeed, not only are we walking in futile thinking, but if we think back to Ephesians chapter 2 that we looked at a while ago, Ephesians chapter 2 reminded us that we used to walk in the ways of the world and the ways of the devil. And so we have this trifecta that's working against us, that nudges us, that moves us to bad habits. Between Satan, the world, and our futile thinking, bad habits can trap us. Now, what Paul's doing here is he's pulling out his megaphone and he's saying, don't go back. You know, you met Christ and those bad habits were being let go and you were putting on new habits. Don't go back. And so that's what he does as he continues with the next few verses. And in these next few verses, we're going to open up and see why bad habits are so difficult to break. So verses 18 and 19. They, that's what we used to be like before Christ, they, the Gentiles, are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that's in them due to their hardness of heart. They have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. And here we have a progression, a progression that goes steadily, steadily downward until we are trapped in bad habits. And the progression starts like this. Our darkened understanding, our futile thinking, means that we are alienated. We become separated from God. The distance just keeps growing and growing. And as that distance increases, the result is our hearts become hardened to God. They become callous towards God. And that finally leaves ourselves up open to all sorts of bad habits. We give ourselves over to sensuality and to greed of every kind. Can you see the progression? And this is why habits, bad habits, are so hard to break because the level field is not level. It's pointing down, down towards bad habits. Darkened understanding distances us from God, hardens our hearts, and that means bad habits then have a place to grow and to stick. To put it another way, if we had clear thinking about God, if we had soft hearts towards God, if we were close to him, then good habits would be easy and bad habits would be hard. So here we have clearly in the word of God explaining why bad habits are hard to break and good habits are hard to form. But the good news is the Bible doesn't just expose what the problem is, it gives us the answer. And so how can we break these bad habits? Well, the answer is in verses 20 to 22. Let's look at verse 20. But that is not the way you learnt Christ, assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus. Now Paul's calling them back to what they learnt to what they heard and what they were taught. You see, this, this verse actually describes the school of Christ, the school of Christ where we learned, where we heard, and where we were taught about Jesus. And Paul is saying, look, you're falling into bad habits. Come back to that school where you first learned about Jesus. Now think about where you first started learning about Jesus, where you first started becoming discipled. It may be that you are brought up in a Christian home and you heard about Jesus from an early day and you started learning about Jesus through kids' church and, and youth group. Or it may be that you came to Christ later in life and you started learning about Jesus then. And Paul's saying, go back to that time when you first learned about Jesus. And not only that, with any good education, it's just not the theory, it's putting into practice. And Paul's reminding us to put into practice what we learned. And we see this in verse 22. Verse 22. You were taught to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and it's corrupt through deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Now there's a lot happening in these couple of verses and this is where the key in these two verses about how to break bad habits. So let's first look at uh, the old self. Now, what's the old self? Well, that's us before we became Christians, where we were a mixture of muddled motives and bad habits. Now, not that there wasn't any good intention and good habits in the mix, but before we got to know Christ, then there was nothing in us that could please God. In fact, Paul uses the image here of putting clothes on and taking clothes off. Before we met Christ, we were clothed in rotten, filthy clothes. That's our old self. That's what we used to be like. And all through this passage here, Paul is using the image of saying, take off the old rotten clothes, put on the new wonderful clothes. Take off your old self, put on your new self. And so what's our new self? What's that all about? Well, the new self is once we realized in our hearts and minds that God really did raise Jesus from the dead and everything that Jesus said about himself was right, And when we believe in our heart that that's true and also when we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, we ask him to be our Lord, well, the Bible says no matter how we feel or don't feel that we are born again. We are a new creation. We have a new self. Second Corinthians five seventeen puts it this way: Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. The old has passed away; the new has come. And so, when we met Christ, we have a new self. Now, there's a problem here, though. I mean, we're human, and we drift away. I mean, all of us at some stage have drifted away from Christ. We stray. There's not one of us who can here sitting here, I'm sure not one of us who can say, I've never strayed. And so it's like it's like we start taking off a piece of good clothing and then pick up something that was in the gutter that's been dragged in by the dog and we start putting that on. And that's the image Paul is saying. He's saying don't put that old, rubbishy, rotten clothes back on like you used to. Take that off and put back on the new self. And how do we do this? We do this by the renewing of our spirits. So we're born again, and that happened once and for all. We've got these new clothing. But we have this habit of getting these old filthy rags and putting them back on. These are our old habits. Now, how do we keep taking off those those filthy rags? By being renewed in the spirit, which means every day (laughs) we go to the Lord at some stage and say, I have let you down, I am sorry, forgive me. And sometimes that's relatively small and sometimes that's for big things. But in the Lord's eyes, what we are doing when we come to him and acknowledge time and time again our dependence on him, he renews our spirit. And those filthy rags that we've tried to cover up our new self get taken off. And this is what Paul, this is what the Bible is encouraging you and I. If you are a Christ follower you are born again, you have a new self, you've got these wonderful clothes and the spirit on, don't, don't keep taking those filthy rags off the street and put them back on. Throw them off. How do we do this? By humble dependence on the living God, by being quick to repent, by being quick to go back to God. And this is the key to breaking bad habits. For as Christians, we have an extra double dynamic that people outside the world don't have the resource the extra resource that we bring into breaking bad habits and setting up new ones is that first of all we have a new self and therefore we have access to the power of god to break bad habits and the second dynamic we have is that daily we can renew our spirits as we humbly look to jesus And this double dynamic makes all the difference when it comes to breaking powerful habits. Now, I want to contrast or compare that with the world's way of breaking bad habits. Now, in the world's way, if you want to break a bad habit, you need your will and external support. And if you're determined, you can break any bad habit. And this is a good scheme. I'm certainly not criticising. This is a good idea, and it can and does work. Take Weight Watchers don't we? I mean, that's how Weight Watchers work, and it works effectively. They gather together, often weekly, to encourage each other, that's the external support, to encourage individuals to live better lifestyles when it comes to food and exercise. And it's great, and it often works. The difference that Christians have, though, is we have this extra dimension, because the Bible is very clear But when it comes to a core and serious change, this won't work. It's good and it's useful. Our will plus external support breaks habits, but it has its limitations. And this is why we need that extra dimension. You see, in Christ, our will plus external support, when it's combined with the new self and renewed spirit, is when we can break and shatter the worst of habits. We bring in that double dimension of being born again, new self, new creation, and a renewed spirit. I was reading a quote from Martin Lloyd-Jones, the great Welsh preacher, and he was saying, and this is true, that when we become Christians at first, there are times when God straight away breaks bad habits. And so you might hear of someone who had trouble with alcohol, they become a Christian straight away, no problem, praise God. But God doesn't take away all our bad habits. There are some things that are left, even at conversion, that take time. So some people with a problem with alcohol, they become Christians and they might have a time when it's pretty good and then it becomes a problem. And then they use this, if you're doing it well, our will, external support, plus a renewed spirit, and they take time to break those habits. And that's what the journey of faith is. The good news is, though, with Christ, it's a guarantee that those habits can and will be broken. Sometimes it's very quickly, sometimes it takes time. Now in the next section of this letter, from verses 25 to the beginning of the next chapter, Paul goes through six case studies where he says this is how the bad habits of alcohol, of anger, bad habits of bad language, uh, and all this sort of thing, and he goes in detail. Now we're going to leave that till next week because we haven't got time to go through in the detail of what the Bible says. This is how you break bad habits God's way. What I want to turn to now is our motivation to break bad habits because we need to be motivated. See, the problem with bad habits is there's a reward, isn't there? Imagine you have a bad habit of sleeping in and being late to work. Now, what's the reward? Well, on a cold day, when you're going to warm bed... The reward is an extra half hour in bed. That's a serious reward, isn't it? <laughs> There's a benefit to that bad habit of sleeping in and being late to work. What about alcohol? What's the benefit of alcohol? Smoking. The short-term reward in appropriate sex. Isn't it obvious what the reward there is? and Why those things can become a bad habit? And sometimes we don't really know what the reward is. So we might have a problem with anger and lashing out. It's a bad habit. We want to get rid of us. And someone pulls the trigger and we flare up. And afterwards we think, oh, why did I do that? In the moment, there's some sort of release, some sort of reward. Or it might be something you're always sabotaging relationships, whatever reason. You know, you get close to a person that's lovely and they get so close and then, and you know you're doing it and you sabotage that relationship, and you think, oh, why am I doing it? There's a reward there somewhere. <laughs> so how are we going to be motivated so we can get out of bed <laughs> and not be late for work? Or, you know, remove these addictions that are playing with us. Well, it's a bit of a carrot and a stick situation. You know, you've got the donkey, you want the donkey to move. Two options. You get the stick and you give it a, a bit of a whack at the hind and you dangle a carrot in the front. Well, it's the same with our motivation. What's the stick? What's the pain? That motivates us to get rid of bad habits. Well, it's the consequences, isn't it? So, when we get back to that person who loves to sleep in bed, the consequences are he's going to get the sack. He's going to get fired. And so, those consequences are painful. And so, for most people that have a habit of lying in bed, the fact is they don't want to be fired is the motivation for them to get out of bed even when they don't want to be. So, it's the stick. It's the pain of the consequences, inappropriate sexual relationships, uh, alcohol, abuse of alcohol. There are consequences. The problem is, the problem is for some people, the pain isn't enough to make people change. And maybe you know someone like that, that's in a bad habit, an addiction, and you've just seen despite the pain, they're just not motivated to change. So the person who sleeps in, Gets warned a few times from boss and loses his job and he thinks, great, I mean, I can sleep in even longer. <laughs> you know what I mean? And so, what's the answer? Where do we get the motivation? Where do we get the carrot, the attractiveness to change our bad habit? Well, the answer is we need to go back to the school of Christ, and the neck we need to go back to the school of Christ. Remember, we were where we learned and heard and taught about Jesus. But there's a difference in the school of Christ and that we don't just learn about Jesus, we learn from Jesus. There's a big difference. Let me explain how. Let me give you an example. In year 12 history, the curriculum includes a unit on the Vietnam War. Imagine studying this conflict from standard text and books and videos. You can learn quite a lot that way. You can learn a lot about the Vietnam War. But imagine if one day your teacher invited a Vietnam vet to class who had actually been there. And he shuffles into the room because he's got a bit of a limp from a from a wound that he picked up in the conflict. And he's older, but he's got his uniform and he's, he's got his medals on. And there he is in front of the class. Imagine him sharing not just the historical facts, but how he felt when he told his wife, who was pregnant with their first, that he was being deployed in South East Asia. Imagine him describing his first engagement with the enemy. Imagine him describing the sights and the sounds and the disorientation, the fear, the taste of battle, of friendships forged in conflict and the gut-wrenching loss of some who never returned home to their families. Imagine him in front of that class describing to you his return to New Zealand and not being welcomed home as a hero, but being spat upon and vilified. Now that's learning at its most powerful, isn't it? And it's the same with us. You see, we don't just learn about Jesus. We learn from Jesus. And just as that war vet carrying his wound carrying his wound and experiences, teaching that year 12 class, when we open up God's word and we say, Jesus, make yourself real to me from these words, and he does, then you are not just learning about Jesus, you are learning from Jesus. When you sit and you hear teaching the word of God, when you gather with a group of people in a small group, when you commit some verses to memory and meditate on it, pray that you're just not learning about Jesus, but that you are learning from Jesus. In prayer, don't just do the checklists. Jesus, be more real to me as I pray. As you serve cups of tea, moving the furniture around at the church, as you're doing some leading in small groups, whatever the way you serve, Jesus, be more real to me. As you obey when it costs, Jesus be more real to me. You see, that's where the motivation comes from for us to change our bad habits in the school of Christ. Not where we just learn about Jesus, but where we learn from Jesus. And a good example from the Gospels, the best example is Mary and Martha. We know that story. They're sisters and they're good friends of Jesus. And one day Jesus comes to stay with them. And Martha is a wonderful hostess. I'd love to go to Martha's place for a meal. I know I would be looked after. Just like we were yesterday with that Thai meal, which was fabulous, by the way. And the teenagers, goodness me, I felt very spoiled as the youth group served us yesterday. I'd like to be in Martha's home as well for those reasons. Good food, good service. But there's a difference when Jesus came because it was Mary who dropped everything and sat at the feet of Jesus and would not budge because she was not learning about Jesus, she was learning from Jesus. Now, as Christians, and in particular ministers, we are very good Martha's, which means we use Christian ministry and busyness to keep Jesus at an arm's length. The ministers are very good at that. <laughs> we can get really busy doing good stuff. But sometimes that's our way of being a Martha and not being a Mary. You know, And, and there'll be people here. They say, well, that's a bit like me too. <laughs> I feel a bit more comfortable doing Christian stuff than spending time with my Lord and Master. And this is one of the challenges this morning. Don't just learn about Jesus, learn from Jesus. Learn to be devoted to him. And that's where our motivation comes from. Our motivation comes out and spills over from our devotion and our time spent with Jesus. Mary, I think, would be absolutely motivated to change any bad habit that she had after spending an evening at Jesus' feet. Where Martha, if she was left to her busyness, would have had no extra motivation whatsoever, but probably just relied on her willpower but it's that time with Jesus that provides the motivation. Let's just sum up briefly. What have we looked at today? Well, the Bible directly addresses bad habits and acknowledges that they can be a major problem. And where do these bad habits come from? Well, our futile thinking keeps us distant from God and our hearts grow calloused. And so therefore it's very easy for bad habits to grow and to establish them. But we've also learned that we can break bad habits, not only by willpower and having external support, but by that double dynamic of our new creation and being renewed in the Spirit. Next week, we'll look at some examples of putting that into practice. And the third thing that we looked at today is our motivation. Our motivation, best motivation, comes from a devotion and adoration of Jesus Christ as Lord, And when we do, the most powerful bad habit can be broken and we can flip it on its head and establish those good habits we yearn for. I pray that as we come to communion now, that Christ will be made more real to us, that those of us who are Martha's <laughs> will just quietly say, sorry, Lord. And as we take the bread and the wine, we will be Mary's and just sit at the feet of Jesus. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that in your word there's that challenge. You know, we all wrestle with bad habits to greater or lesser degree. We have loved ones who wrestle with bad habits. Thank you, Lord, that you've shown us that in Christ there is a way to break the worst habit. Lead us by your spirit, Lord, so that not only are we more devoted to you, but that our lives align with your word and that we can, by your grace, live lives worthy of the calling that we've received. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.